0: the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. And today in our epistle lesson, we hear these words. The free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. On the basis of that passage, we're going to be talking about the fact that God's grace is universal. But it is particularly received by faith. And we're going to be talking about two errors. First of all, we're going to talk about the error of particularism and the error, second of all, of universalism, and how holding to the truth here, the, the middle course between the one error on the left and the other error on the right, is crucial and critical. For our faith, for the sake of the faith of others. Now, I've got two stories for you to illustrate the importance of getting this doctrine right. Because we might just think to ourselves, well, Pastor Chris, you know, doctrine is one thing, but does it really make a difference? And the answer is yes, it absolutely makes a difference. Now, two stories to illustrate this for you. First, one story came from, comes from about roughly 20 years ago. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine and she told me and confided to me that she didn't think that eternal life was hers. She didn't think she could be God's child. And the reason why is that she thought that her sins were too great and too many to be God's child, to have everlasting life. And it's against such ideas and other ideas like it that we need to confess the universal grace of God in Christ Jesus. A grace which is so unending, so infinite, that it covers over the sin of every sinner who has ever lived and ever will live. That's how overabundant the grace of God is in the death of Jesus Christ. It's not a particular grace. It's a universal grace. I have another story. About a different error. Uh, there. Uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, you might remember I wasn't in the pulpit. Uh, there was a. Uh, a week there where I wasn't in the pulpit because of the mission trip. And the week before that, I wasn't in the pulpit because Mary and I went to Chicago to celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary. And on Sunday morning, when our uh, when Sunday morning came up, we went to church at an area in Chicago there. Did you know that the LCMS website, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod website, has a really great church locator on it? You should know about that for when you travel. You can go on it and I like to select the the zip code feature because you can put a zip code in with a radius and I'll tell you all the LCMS churches in that radius. And so I did a search and, and found a, a church nearby in the inner core of Chicago and we went to that church and uh, the pastor was sitting there in the narthex talking with some folks and he got up and Came out to me, and turns out I knew him from back in my college days. He had been a college professor at the college I went to. I I went to Valparaiso University, um, an independent Lutheran institution, not associated with any synod or anything like this. And he had been a professor there and was in charge of the church work program there for students who wanted to go into church work. Uh, I had received. Some very generous scholarship funds, which is why I went there to be a, to uh, scholarship funds for those who want to become pastors. And so I was a part of that church work program. And he led it. And he's an LCMS pastor. Uh, he's retired now. And as we talked about the, his career and, and my time there, he remarked that out of the maybe a couple hundred church work students that he oversaw in his career there. I was one of the very few and only a handful of those who actually went into church work. The vast majority already didn't. And moreover, he said, many of these individuals who, you know, in their high school years at least, valued the faith enough and valued their church life enough that they went to college with the plan of, of being a church worker, a huge number of them. Not only weren't church workers, a large number of them had even lost the faith. Were no longer Christians. Now, we're going to unpack the why of this, but as I've thought about this, I believe that the reason why that was was because of the error of universalism. Because while God's grace Is not particular. God's grace is universal. We also believe. Teach. Confess. Preach. God's grace must be particularly received. By the individual. In faith. So that's why it's critical for us to. Maintain. This distinction. Properly. Because on the one hand. If we. If we downplay the universal grace of God and Christ Jesus. Sinners are left with accused consciences and wearied and weighed down by guilt and shame. But on the other hand, if we fail to preach the necessity of saving faith, well, then faith becomes a thing of little importance, to encourage in others or in oneself. So let's talk about this a little bit. First of all, particularism. Now, you can't go onto the internet and Google uh, Christian particularism and and see what I'm talking about here. I'm I'm kind of making up that term to describe two related ideas, and I'm using this term to talk about those who would say that the grace of God and the death of Jesus Christ is a grace which only applies to particular sins on the one hand or particular people on the other. Both of these positions more or less preach what you might call a limited atonement. That when Jesus died and atoned for sins, this was limited in one way or another. Another. Now, we're going to talk about specific, various different kinds of Christians. People sometimes get upset with me when I, when I do this. They say, "What well, do you think we're better than everybody else? Do you think that uh, other Christians besides Lutherans aren't going to heaven? Let's just lay this aside, okay? Um, not saying that we're better than anybody else, or that uh, if you're not part of a Lutheran church, you can't go to heaven. But what I am saying is this. Is that what we teach matters and has consequences because of that. It's, it's necessary for us to talk about these differences in loving ways. Okay. So on the one hand, there are those who teach that Jesus's atonement is limited in particular that only covers over particular sins. So Roman Catholicism, for example, Teaches that the sacrifice of Christ covers over just the sin that we inherited from Adam. Now, the actual sins that we committed, that's in essence left to us to atone for through works, and still taught to this day. So the the, the the sins that we inherited from Adam covered over by the death of Christ, the sins that we commit. We have to do good works in order to atone for those. So that's one kind of limited atonement idea. That's one kind of idea, particular grace. On the other hand, there are those who teach particular grace because they believe that the atonement of Jesus is not limited in terms of the kinds of sins that it covers over, but instead the kinds of sinners that it covers over. So this is the idea of of various Calvinist bodies, reformed Presbyterians and so on that teach a limited atonement. And what they say is that when Jesus died, he really only died for what would be called the elect or the protestant. Basically, Jesus only died for those who are ultimately going to heaven. He didn't die for everybody. Okay? Okay. Now both of these are similar and that both of these put a limit on the grace of God in Christ. That's a problem because it burdens consciences, causes doubt. On the one hand, if you believe that Jesus' death only covers over particular sins, the sins inherited from Adam, and the sins that you commit are up to you to uh, make atonement for, how do you know you've ever done that? In fact, this it would cause a great amount of despair. Because if you're like me, and I think you are, well, you know that daily you sin. You're just digging a deeper and deeper hole. How are you ever going to be right in God's eyes. That's a burden upon the conscience. It doesn't cause faith to rise up in God, but instead considers God to be a stern judge rather than a loving father who gives good gifts. Now this other view of limited atonement, this has a different kind of problem because this also creates doubt in the heart. How can you know if you're one of the elect? How can you know if you're one of the predestined? If you can't know that you're the elect, if you can't know that you're the predestined, how can you know that Jesus died for you? Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, let us not teach a limitation to the atonement, but rather preach and teach The grace of God in Christ Jesus for every sinner in every sin. And we can find this taught right here. The free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God. The free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. I want you to... Take your bulletin out and, and look at this passage on the backside Because we're going we're gonna to explore this a little bit. I'm going to ask you to, uh, to fill in the blank for me in a couple places here. Uh, even better yet, if you brought your Bibles, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. And you have permission to play with your phone here if you've got a Bible app on it to follow along. Alright? So, I want you to fill in the blank here, but the free gift is not like the trespass for if many died through one man's trespass, much more for the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, I want you to fill in the blank, abounded for many. Now, there are those who teach this limited atonement idea, this idea that God's grace is particular and they'll point to that passage and look, it says that the gift was not for all, but instead it was for many. But what does St. Paul mean by many? Let's take a look at the context. Let's back up to verse 12. There it says, Therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to fill in the blank, so death spread to all men. Because all sinned. Now, Let's go back to verse 15. There it says, for if, now fill in the blank, for if many died through one man's trespass. When St. Paul says the word many in this context here, what does he mean? He means all. All died. Because all died through one man's trespass, all are offered the free grace of, in Jesus Christ. And if there were any doubt, we can go to verse 18 where it says, and it's not on the bulletin, therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Okay? So, we see a contradiction to this teaching that the grace of God is particular. That it is limited. It is not just for a select people. It is for all. And so therefore we can gladly proclaim to each and every person that Jesus died for you. And your sins are atoned for. Your sins are forgiven. God's grace is for you. No matter how great a sinner you are no matter how many sins you have committed, you can have no doubt, but rather firmly believe that Jesus died for you. And that's a message which liberates good consciences, which frees us from shame, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, rouses us to faith. That brings us to that that second problem that we were talking about. And that's the problem or the the false teaching of universalism. Now, universalism is a little bit different than particularism because that's a phrase that you can actually go on Google and, and look up Christian universalism and find out that there are people who, yes, consider themselves Christian universalists. And what is universalism? Universalism... Um, is a teaching which is founded on a half-truth, but because it is founded upon a half-truth, it actually is a grave error. And the, the truth that it is based upon is the truth that God's grace is universal, that it's for everyone. But they neglect to talk about the necessity of faith to receive that gift. This was the teaching, by the way, uh, of a great many of the the theological faculty at the college that I went to, that it doesn't matter whether you believe or not, that all have eternal life because of the, the grace of God in Christ Jesus, whether you believe or not, whether you have faith or not. Now... This sounds nice, but I believe that it's actually a quite hard-hearted, cold-hearted teaching. We'll get to that in a minute. But the scriptures are clear on this matter. Faith is necessary. God's grace is universal, as the gospel in a nutshell. John three sixteen says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." But it also teaches that gift is received by grace. So that who by faith, so that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. So let me put it this way: This is an illustration that I've used several times before, but it's a good illustration. Let's say out in the narthex. I come up to you and I say, I I pull out an envelope from my pocket and I. I thrust it out and say, here's a gift of $1,000. Now, let's say you say, Pastor Chris, that's not funny. And you turn around and you walk out the door. Did I really have a gift there for you of $1,000? Yes, I did. Did you receive the benefit of that gift? No. Why not? Because you didn't believe in me. You didn't trust me. You didn't have faith in me. Now, on the other hand, let's say we're out in the I pull out that envelope and I say to you, hi, here's a gift of a thousand dollars. And you said, Oh, thanks, Pastor Chris. And you grab that and you put that in your pocket and off you go, your merry way. Could you use that thousand dollars to your benefit? Yes. Why? Because you believed me. You trusted me. This is similar to the grace of God. God's grace is offered to everyone. God's grace abounds for every sinner and covers over every sin but will not receive the benefit unless we believe. Unless we believe, we will not have the freedom of conscience freed from guilt, freed from shame. Unless we believe, we will not have the benefits of this in our life When, as we receive the grace of God, we are graceful towards others. And if we do not believe, we will not have the benefit of eternal life and the kingdom of God. Faith is critical to receive the benefits of God, to receive His blessings of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. That's why I believe so many of my fellow students who wanted to go into church work became unbelievers. The faculty taught that faith didn't really count for much. You didn't need to believe. And so if that's the case, why go into church work? Doesn't matter if people believe or not, so why go and preach the gospel? And if faith is of such low importance, why believe yourself? Universalism sounds nice. It sounds pleasant, it sounds loving, but it is cold-hearted. It is a hardness of heart towards our neighbor. Do you treasure your faith and the benefits you get from it? Then seek that others too might believe. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is crucial for us to maintain that the grace of God is universal. Because through this others, through this we can proclaim to others and ourselves be comforted with the fact that our sins are atoned for in Jesus. And it's critical as well that we continue to preach and teach the necessity of saving faith. And let this be the case for us here at St. Peter's Lutheran Church. Let us have hearts which are warmed with the knowledge of God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness for us. And out of gratitude for that unending, infinite, unconditional grace and mercy, let us gladly proclaim it so that others too might hear and believe. Their vines and consciences being freed from guilt and shame and the pleasures and joys of eternal life be their great hope. To the Lord Jesus Christ, who has atoned for the sins of all, be honor, power, and glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.